The AI Today podcast, produced by Cognolytica, cuts through the hype and noise to identify what is really happening now in the world of artificial intelligence. Learn about emerging AI trends, technologies, and use cases from Cognolytica analysts and guest experts. Hello, and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Mulch. And I'm your host, Ronald Schmelzer. And on today's podcast, we're going to dive into an educational topic that may be on a topic that you might already know, well, at least you might think you know a lot about, which is facial recognition. And um, the reason why we're talking about this, for those of you who are new to our podcast, is we like to spend time on our podcasts, you know, going over educational elements and and things that maybe we bring in from the news, but not to talk about the news because the news is always changing. And honestly, there's also lots of podcasts that'll talk about the news. And I'm sure these topics will come up in pretty much every podcast on AI. But, you know, a lot of, a lot of our listeners are really trying to put AI into practice. And you may find yourself dealing with the possibility of using technology approaches like facial recognition and you might be wondering about some of the challenges or the issues or even the, cap- the basic capabilities of, of uh, facial recognition. And that's what we try to do on our podcast. So we're going into now five years of AI today, 240 plus episodes. And we know that the most popular episodes are the ones that where we try to do our best to bring you into our education, some of the insights from our educational offerings that we do at Cognolytica, as well as just in general, a lot of the content that we do from following the markets for AI technology. Exactly. So, you know, as Ron mentioned, we have been uh, running the AI Today podcast for five. We're in our fifth year now. Uh, so we have lots of episodes. And we also produced an AI use case series that really talked about, you know, how AI is being applied in different industries. But on today's podcast, and we've also had our AI education series, as Ron mentioned, we also had our AI failure series, which was actually probably our most uh, popular series where we talked about different ways uh, that we've seen AI projects fail. And we wanted to tell our listeners so that you don't make the same mistakes. That is great. I definitely encourage you to go back, listen to that a few times if you're interested. But today we really wanted to specifically focus on facial recognition and, you know, talk a little bit about what it is, because maybe our listeners know, maybe our listeners think they know, but want a refresher on it. So we said, you know, we really want to to talk about it. Also, at the time of this recording and when it's being published, which is in February of 2022, there has been some news, especially in the United States, that's been, you know, making its rounds. Ron and I are based in the D.C. region. And the IRS, the Internal Revenue Service, has gotten into some heat very recently with their use of a facial recognition technology with a company called ID.me. Now, before we dig into that and talk about, you know, why are they why are they getting in trouble and what's going on there? We wanted to, like I said, frame a little bit about the subject. What is facial recognition? And also share that and this is not something new. I mean, it has been making headlines for a number of years, and we'll we'll talk about some of that about some of the issues with facial recognition technology. So, I'm I'm sure it should come as no surprise that for many industries, not just government, but many industries, facial recognition technology really is still a gray area. It's clouded in mystery and mistrust. People don't really understand, uh, you know, how it's. Um, being used, what data goes into training these systems for the most part. So there still is a lot of gray area with this. 
And we're starting to see, you know, this integration of facial recognition technology on a fairly regular basis in our daily lives. So it can be from things that are as simple as unlocking smartphones, or it can be facial biometric access, depending on, you know, maybe certain companies have that if you have restricted areas that you need to get into. Also, we've seen facial recognition starting to be used at airports where it's helping to board planes faster. So, you know, just by identifying you and your face, you don't need to worry about your passport or, you know, your boarding ticket. You can just go right in um, and board your plane with your face. So this, you know, begs the question, okay, I'm using biometric information for a number of things. How is this technology really living up to the hype and all the big promises that it's claiming? And is it really accurate? Are there issues or concerns about this? So before we dig into that, maybe we'll talk a little bit about how facial recognition technology works. Yeah. So, you know, at the fundamental level, facial recognition is exactly what it sounds like what people describe it, which is the ability for a machine or a system to recognize a face as uh, being specific to that person. So uh, you may have heard on many of our uh, podcasts and especially in our CPMAI training and other things that we do that, you know, right now, sort of the, the, the edge of innovation for AI is machine learning. You know, not all of AI's machine learning, you know, just to get machines to learn things doesn't mean they're all of a sudden intelligent sentient <laughs> beings that can make decisions on everything and you know, figure out how to, how, to, how to apply some knowledge from one domain to another. We haven't figured out any of that stuff. But what we have figured out is that if we give machines data, we can train machines uh, in, in, a, in a variety of tasks. You know, we have this idea of supervised learning, where if I give machines examples of data and I just provide uh, some, what's called a label, I basically say, okay, this is a, I know this image is just a grid of pixels here, but this particular grid of pixels is a cat. And this other particular grid of pixels is a cat, et cetera, et cetera. At some point, the machine learns what that pattern of pixels is, and it can make a guess. Nick, if I say, okay, here is a grid of pixels, you tell me if it's a cat or not, and then it'll give you some percentage and say, oh, 72%, 83%, 94% that this is a cat. And of course, we could do more sophisticated things instead of just saying, well, there's a, this image represents a cat. You can do things like even draw a box around where in the image the cat is, et cetera, et cetera. These are all aspects of supervised learning, which comes down to training machines with data and having machines sort of derive that pattern from the data. The other two forms of machine learning, when I don't have a label like this is a cat or this is a person, you might just want to have the machine find uh, pat cl clusters of data, find patterns and say, oh, these pieces of data are related to each other. I'm not exactly sure it has a name, but, <laughs> you know, from doing personalization or finding, you know, patterns of fraud or, or anomalies in behavior, it can do that. Machines are really good at finding patterns. And the third type of learning is basically learning through trial and error, which we know from games such as chess and Go and, of course, all the other great things we're working on. Facial recognition is a specific application of supervised learning, because what I'm doing is I'm trying to get the machine to basically take a look at this grid of pixels and not just say that there is a person in this image. That's basic image classification. Machines are pretty good at saying there's a person in this image. There's not a person in this image. As a matter of fact, 
many security and surveillance applications that are out in the market right now. Even ones that you can get at home, whether you're your Ring or your Nest camera, will tell you if a person has walked into the frame or something, you know, from a security perspective, right? But what they can't do is tell you who that person is. And this is a much harder problem where I'm trying to say, okay, it's not just that I know that there's a person, but this person, this image represents a very particular person. It's not just the label I want to apply is not just person. I want to apply the label Ronald Schmelzer, me, or Lord Kathleen Walsh, or Barack Obama, or, you know, Elon Musk, whatever it is, whatever that label is, I want to be able to take an image and say, with some certainty uh, that the image that's presented in front of me represents that one particular person. Now, it turns out that is a lot easier said than done because machines need a lot of data generally to be trained on things. And the less data they have, the less, well, probabilistic they have. You know, two people that may share a lot in common may be very different. You know, uh, two people like you know, Patrick Stewart is bald and some other guy is bald, but, you know, they may have 82% similarity, but they're not the same person. And with facial recognition, we need that certainty, especially in the kinds of applications that we're trying to use facial recognition for, right? Exactly. So you can imagine you need a lot of data. But as I had mentioned earlier, you don't always know where that data is coming from and how representative that data set is either, which can start causing issues such as bias and, you know, potential discrimination or abuse from certain parties that are using this. So, you know, it's important to help frame this contact context as well and say, all right. I understand, you know, you mentioned there's something going on in, in the news very recently in 2022, but is this new or have there been issues with facial recognition before? And the answer is yes. This has this has been around for a number of years now. So, and it's from a number of different companies as well. It's not really, you know, targeted at just one specific company. Back in 2018, so you know, a number of years ago at this point. Amazon came out, you know, they had their Amazon recognition system, and it falsely identified a number of lawmakers, about 28 lawmakers with mugshots. The American Civil Liberties Union, the ACLU of Northern California, tested their this Amazon recognition software, and it found that people of color were disproportionately misidentified in a mugshot database. So this raised issues with, with one, okay, is this technology accurate? Well, wow, we are misidentifying lawmakers, you know, as criminals. And also, what is some of the underlying reasons for that? And, you know, could there be some racial bias or potential misuse by law enforcement or anybody else that's using this for, you know, a number of reasons? The test, an, another reason why this test was brought up was that it was found earlier in 2018. So in around May of 2018, Amazon was actually trying to sell the recognition technology to police agencies. Well, if you find out that it has all this bias in it and is, you know, uh, discriminating unfairly, then what can be some of the potentials for misuse and abuse and, you know, a machine making decisions? We always talk about algorithmic decision making. Are you going to rely 100 percent on a system that you don't know exactly how it works? 
Yeah. And this actually came up, you know, um, I know that there's another example where um, where somebody was basically in an Apple store, uh, they were using a camera and uh, somebody was basically falsely accused of shoplifting, a false arrest because they were using this Amazon, they were using this recognition system. I don't know who, I don't think it was Amazon's, but they're using recognition system. And they basically say, okay, this person was identified as being a shoplifter. And all of a sudden, you know, you have this person who who has nothing to do with anything, you know, is being accused. That's the problem when you put too much faith and trust in really what are probabilities, you know, probabilistic systems, as we tell everybody in our education or AI education and training, you know, machine learning systems are probabilistic. They don't, they don't give you definites. They don't say, oh, well, you know, when somebody speaks uh, some sentence in a natural language processing system, it's like everybody uses these words in this order and they all mean these things. No, I mean, natural language processing systems work on probabilities. You know, well, it looks like, it looks like they're talking about customer support because these words generally have been used in this way. And, and, and that means that I'm going to be probabilistic. And for chatbot systems, that's fine. It's like, it's okay for me to make a guess. 82% chance. I think they're talking about customer support. So I'll ask a question. I'll say, okay, can you give me your order ID? And if the person comes back and they say something completely different, then I guess I was wrong. But no one is going to basically say, well, you have to say these words in this exact order, otherwise you're a criminal. Or I'm going to use the, the way that you're speaking to positively identify you as someone. Imagine imagine said, I want you to type in like a whole paragraph of this text. And when you're done, I'm going to basically tell you exactly who, what your name is and what your address is and everything. Well, that's ridiculous, right? You know, because you can't identify someone by the pattern of their writing. Even a human can't do that. Well, maybe I guess some smart detectives can do some handwriting analysis. And, and even in those situations, they only have probabilities, right? Well, that's what we're asking our machines to do with facial recognition. We're saying, I'm going to give you an image and I want you to narrow down in your huge database of pictures. I want you to basically give me not just the best match. I want you to basically give me a match, right? And People are just not sophisticated. I mean, Kathleen and I talk about this all the time. People are getting lazier and lazier. People are not thinking as much as they used to. They're not being critical about, about what they're reading, they're writing, and what they're saying. And people are taking mental shortcuts. And as a result, people are putting way too much faith in these systems that honestly, facial recognition is a very hard problem. It's one of the, actually, you might think, Autonomous vehicles is a hard problem. We'll get back to this later. But actually, facial recognition is a pretty dang darn hard, hard problem, too. You know, and even people, there are people, humans out there where you go, I'm going to give you a face. You tell me whose name it is. There are a lot of people who have trouble matching faces to names. I'm not always the best of that, too. I'm like, I look something like, like ah. or like, you know, Kathleen and I have been in situations where it looks like somebody, but it's actually someone else. <laughs> humans, I got to tell you, even humans are not that good at this. People all, you know, there's been all these um, studies yeah. talk about mugshots when people are lined up. What's, what's it called? You know, the lineup. Oh, yeah, the lineup. Yeah. And people misidentify people. People misremember what they see. So, so asking computers to do something with a high rate of accuracy is just asking for, for trouble. And that's kind of where we are right now. <laughs> exactly. And so this is a really difficult problem to solve, as we have been saying. Hopefully that's sinking in. Also, you need lots of data and you need to make sure that you have representative data. So when companies find out that their data is not representative and maybe causing issues in the results that they did not like, then they need to make sure that they can somehow get 
data so they can continue to train their system. As we mentioned, you know, you need to continue to train your system and you have to feed it, you know, good, clean data. Well, how do you go about doing that? So in 2019, so again, you know, we wanted to bring back some older examples as well, because this is not a new problem and this continues to come up. As Ron mentioned, people are getting lazy. People also have short, forgetful memories. And, you know, this is something that continues to come up. So in 2019, it was reported that Google needed, the, you know, their, their facial recognition system needed to improve. And what they found is that they needed to have people with different skin tones. So they were specifically targeting people with darker skin tones to help improve their facial recognition system. Now, this, of course, raised issues, too, because their attempt to do this, they wanted to collect people with, um, you know, the darker skin tone so that they would be able to have more uh, data in their systems so that they were able to train the systems and their algorithms, you know, would improve over time. But the way that they did this wasn't the most ethical. And they persuaded a lot of a lot of people, especially ones that they had targeted, with, you know, mischaracterizing what they were doing with the selfie game or a survey. They were giving away $5 gift cards. So they were identifying people that they thought would be more likely to take part in this game, such as homeless people or college students. Um, and also people who who wouldn't, they thought, question this as much. Well, okay, that poses a lot of ethical problems, but down fundamentally at its core, it's saying, wow, we made a mistake and we didn't have enough representative data. And this is, you know, to be able to identify uh, people in facial recognition systems. So we need to get more of that. But we didn't even test that beforehand. And it came out once the public used that. We always talk about, you know, that AI failure series. Why are you not testing this with real world data? Who knows what they did? So that once it was out, it started to get, uh, you know, people had issues around this. So there's a lot of issues with facial recognition systems. It brings about concerns about privacy as well. And, you know, concerns about how it's being used, how it's being stored, how how many companies are collecting this information and are is there issues with breaches and security all of this kind of stuff it also brings about you know we talked about ethical concerns and back when uh we presented our ethical ai frameworks we talked about how you know there's a lot of a lot of ethical concerns that need to be addressed with technology such as artificial intelligence and societal ethics and concerns around that, especially about how systems work, human values, issues related to bias, diversity, diversity and inclusion. They all need to be addressed, too. Yeah. So so bringing this all sort of more to the present, kind of where we are right now, um, part of the reason why facial recognition is getting more in use lately, first of all, um, in addition to this issue that I'm going to talk about right now about the IRS, there have been both states and countries and regionalities that have been bringing about uh, proposed bans on the use of facial recognition. I know that when we cover our worldwide laws and regulations, we go facial recognition is actually one of the, the key topics. And we're finding that there is 
greater and greater desire to ban the use of facial recognition. Now, the thing is, facial recognition has been used in some very benign ways. For example, using facial recognition uh, as a way to like help you, uh, you know, like when you're unlocking your phone, you're actually, what you're doing is you've trained your own phone to recognize yourself. So it's not that you're building this huge database, which we're going to get into. That's one of the big issues is building a database of faces, which is in and of itself a cybersecurity nightmare. But it's also not this issue of bias because it's like, well, you know, you're supposed to be training the phone on your own image. And, and you know, it's, it's not as likely to mistake you for someone else who may have a very, you know, high probability who's nowhere near your phone, maybe across the world or something like that, or doesn't even have that kind of a phone, right? So, so there are benign uses of, of facial recognition technology. Facial recognition by itself is not like a good or a bad or anything. It's, it's just, you know, can be used in good and bad ways. The problem is the ways in which it's being used are, are prone to, to many issues. So the issue that came about recently was that the Internal Revenue Service and the IRS basically said that by the summer of 2022, which is like basically kind of now, they were going to not allow people to sign up for new accounts using the old username and um, password system, right? Mainly because they wanted to make sure that the people were, were who they say they were. So what they were, what they were going to require was that in order to sign up for an account to do basic things like check on tax credits or to like, you know, do filings, you would have to go through a verification service where you'd have to upload digital photo identification of yourself, IDs and things like that, and copies of bills and identity documents, all sorts of stuff. And then you had to take a selfie, some other picture, and then the system would basically, well, what they said they were going to do was they were going to match your selfie photo against those ID documents and basically say, oh, yeah, this is the person who they said they were. And if for whatever reason the system couldn't provide any sort of confidence, then you'd have to have a live video chat with somebody on the other side who would basically look at you and at the at the thing. And there are so many problems with this. First of all, let's let's put the whole can the system even do the matching uh, aside for a moment. We'll definitely come back to that. Uploading really sensitive private information including all these documents, you might say, well, the government already has those documents. Why is it asking to you to upload it? Which is another good question, by the way. But you know, uploading these documents, taking pictures of your face, putting them all in a database, as I mentioned, is a major cybersecurity nightmare waiting to be hacked. Someone can just come in there, grab all that. And if you think, well, we can trust you know, government systems with information, are you, are you telling me this is like the biggest honeypot? You just be able to just go in there and find a huge database with like all this private information with driver's licenses and documents and passport photos and photos. Are you kidding me? That's like identity theft heaven right there, right? So um, there's just that. And that's even putting aside the fact that you're asking a computer to do the recognition system. What happened was this company, ID.me, the CEO basically said, well, originally he said, we're doing one-to-one -one match, which is this idea that I can match this ID that you've uploaded, a driver's license, a password photo with the selfie that you took. I could say, okay, you took a picture of yourself and I can match it to this form of, of document. And people were saying, hmm, what about, you know, bad lighting and this and that? I mean, you can really do that with one camera? I mean, wow, that's some pretty nice, uh, you know, AI you've got there. One shot learning, facial recognition, really fast machine learning. You're, you're basically training these models on the fly, right? You know, think about it. What do you have to do to actually make that work? You have to train your machine learning model like, like every millisecond, right, to recognize that. So 
of course, <laughs> when there was pushback on it, like, well, we're actually not doing one-to-one matching. We're not actually matching your photo with your ID. What we're doing is we're doing one-to-many matching, which means that I'm matching you up against some general database mm-hmm. and basically saying, yeah, they kind of generally match, which brings up the question, like, where is this database coming from? You're matching me up against photos of other people, which you are violating some privacy law. I thought you weren't going to share that information. So, of course, they back down. And then, of course, the legislators <laughs> in Congress got, you know, heard heard about this. They didn't like it either. Put a lot of pressure on the IRS. And, of course, everybody's pulling back on ID.me. And so this is really, um, this kind of brings a lot of these issues to light, which is the recognition technology is not as sophisticated as people think it, it is. We're building these databases, which are really problematic. And also we are over-promising as usual. This is the trap we get into with AI. We never, ever learn our lesson over-promise and under-deliver. We overstate what these systems can do. The systems cannot do it. And guess what? There's a human in the loop. So I'm like, isn't from our failure series oh. over promise and under deliver the number one reason why AI projects fail a very large reason why we've had two AI winters. And if we don't learn our lesson, could we go to a third winner? I mean, come on. Have we not learned our lesson after all these years, after decades, way longer, way older than me and Ron have not <laughs> learned our lesson. <laughs> So, you know, I mean, Ron talked about, you know, there's a lot of security hack or not security hacks, a lot of security risks with this. You know, what happens if this private database is hacked with people's biometric information, a whole database of faces with, you know, taxpaying citizens and uh, everybody in the United States that pays taxes, that, that's a honeypot. You know, I, I, when Ron said that, I was thinking, man, I have really found the gold at the end of my rainbow uh, if, if this is what people are doing. So, of course, you know, as he mentioned, there was, you know, swift backlash from this, from advocates, lawmakers, and then the IRS very quickly pulled back on the use of this technology and said, okay, you know, they're now cutting ties with this company and saying, okay, we're gonna we're gonna do it another way and we'll figure this out and 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 not do this anymore. But th- we really wanted to spend some time on this podcast with facial recognition talking about it because at the end of the day, you know, we talk about how facial recognition technology on its own is neutral, meaning that this technology is neither good nor bad. It's it's neutral. It's how it's used and how it's applied in practice that gives these you know connotations of good or bad. And what we're seeing is that facial recognition technology really does harbor the potential for some abuse as um, it might prove you know disastrous for certain people and for unwilling customers or you know unwilling participants. I mean really the IRS was giving you no other option. So they were basically saying give us your biometric information or don't work with us. But that you can't not work with the IRS. There's no other place to file your taxes, which I think is also what people were really upset about. You know, you can't just say use this or sorry, go to jail. It's like that no, you have to give me a workaround for this, especially because there were and are so many 
any issues with this. So, you know, uh, really it's kind of identifying that positive, neutral, negative applications for facial recognition technology. Lots of negative use cases always make the news. But as Ron mentioned, there's positive use cases, positive or neutral. I mean, depending on how you want to look at it with, uh, you know, opening your phone with your face, things like that. So, but these, these need to be addressed and need to be talked about so that one, people understand, okay, what is facial recognition? And then two, understand, okay, what are some use cases around facial recognition? And three, what are some of the potential challenges or issues or drawbacks to using facial recognition technology? And how do I go about addressing that to make sure, one, that the technology actually is as advanced and will do what we promise it's doing. Don't overpromise and underdeliver. Please, please, please in anything. And also, you know, how how are we going to use it? How do we get this right so that people have trust in the systems? Because we've talked about once you lose trust, it's super hard to gain it back. And when large agencies like the IRS lose trust, what do we do as a consumer? I can just say, well, I don't like your products anymore. I'm going to go somewhere else, but can't do that with government agencies. Yeah. So in this particular situation, I actually had this challenge myself. I had to, I needed to go online to basically check uh, status on some, what's called the advanced child tax credits. And they said, Hey, if you want to look this up, you can log into the portal, irs.gov portal, and you can log in and you can check the payments. So I'm like, that's pretty cool. You go in there and boom, instant roadblock. You have to sign up for an account. And if you don't have an account, the only way that the IRS was letting you do that was through the new ID.me system. And I'm like, hell no, I'm not doing that. I just like, I, at that point, I just like, I, I already knew even before I knew about the problems, I'm like, I am just not doing it. That's actually before it made the news. Cause I remember we, we got some um, inquiries from the press about our comments about this. And I was saying, well, it's interesting that you asked because I, I was faced with this and I'm, I just refused to provide this information. What did I do? I picked up the phone and I called the IRS. I needed these things. I, I can't believe we're in this in this digitally transformed future, right? We're in the future, supposedly, where we've gotten rid of the digital transformation log jam, which is one of those things we talk about in our training where it's like, okay, everything's, you can log in and do anything at three o'clock in the morning using any device on any network, no matter where you are in the world. The answer is nope. I had to get on the phone, wait for the IRS to open, sit on hold for 30 plus minutes, which was actually a lot shorter than I was expecting. But like it was on hold for 30 minutes. But I went through, I got, I made a phone call to someone who was working out of their home. I could hear kids in the background that made me a little nervous. And then that was escalated up to their main IRS office. I was actually very fast. And then those people looked up the information there in their system and they gave me a great answer. I'm like, okay, well, this is what happened. You know, blah, blah, blah. Payments were made here. There was, they were made by check, but then we switched. We moved into electronic payment. I'm like, thank you very much. Why could I not have had a chat bot for that? Why do I need to go through this rigmarole? Right. And that's because everybody's looking at the shiny future. And I think this is sort of the last point that we that we want to make here, which is that all this promise about AI, we're like, you know, it's like um, when you ask kids or people from the 1950s what they thought the future was going to look like, they'd say the future is all about flying cars and robots. Right. Do I do you see flying cars and robots? No, because flying cars is a really very difficult problem and robots are a difficult problem, but I just want at least intelligent one. Yeah. Intelligent robot. But I want to say, but why, why do you need flying cars? 
And I would add, why do we need autonomous vehicles? We could say, well, autonomous vehicles solve the problem of people not wanting to drive themselves. I'm like, okay, well, that's what taxis are for, but that's okay. (laughs) Or Ubers. Public transportation or... Yeah. I mean, I get it, I guess. I mean, I get it. I guess it's more convenient if you're willing to spend a lot more money for a car and own a car. I mean, you can argue maybe it's safer too, right? You know, and you can have uh, maybe, you know, children or elderly or people with disabilities being transported. I mean, I, and, that, you know. I, mean, I don't, it's not that, but the thing is like, it's one of the hardest problems. It's oh, like yeah. one, of the, one of the classically hardest problems in AI to basically get systems to like understand the world around them and navigate in a very safe way. And our expectations <laughs> yeah. and our expectations for autonomous vehicles are actually higher than people. We're okay with like, did you know that like one out of a hundred blah, blah, blah gets in a car accident? We're like, okay. But like, if I said one out of every hundred autonomous vehicles in a car accident, be like, that's too high. Right. So our expectations are, first of all, not only do we want them to perform as well as humans, we want them to perform like 10 times better than humans. Right. And, and it's the same thing with facial recognition. It's kind of funny people. I don't know why people are like, Facial recognition, easy, solved problem. I'm like, hell no, that's not a solved problem. That's as hard as a problem as actually having a real conversation with your Siri or Alexa, which is a very, very difficult problem. We've been tracking that for years. We actually had to give up because they were- Yeah, it kept failing. We were like after years. (laughs) So I just want to point out for those of you who are listening, who are thinking, I am putting a facial recognition system into practice. You should know that this is a very hard problem. It's fraught with all sorts of ethical and data security and data governance problems. It's fraught with issues of bias and complexity. It's fraught with issues of error. And you cannot depend on these systems, even as good as you are. Look, if Amazon can't figure it out and these other systems can't figure it out, you are not going to be able to figure it out either. Maybe, maybe we're a couple of innovations away, but I want to say this is hopefully getting you thinking about, well, are there some other ways to solve your problem that don't require a machine to say, you know, this is this particular person's in front of me here. Right. So hopefully we have given you a lot to think about. Uh, Hopefully you'll have a better understanding of facial recognition technology, some of the issues, concerns, challenges with it, you know, how things have been addressed in the past and how this is not a new issue. It's been around for many years. It just continues to creep up. And every time it does, people act like, oh, they forgot about all the other issues. So, you know, continue to subscribe to our podcast. We love our listeners. We love hearing from you about additional topics. We said that in 2022, we're going to be focusing a lot more on uh, you know, our research topics from there, education as well. That was something that in 2021, a lot of people told us they liked, and we will continue to do more of in 2022, kind of digging into these topics in particular, talk about it, frame the subject, share why it's important, how it's being used today, and, you know, challenges and opportunities with this. So today we did facial recognition, but stay tuned for For other topics, we're going to have an upcoming podcast on from automation to intelligence and the, you know, the journey and the path to get there. We also have a few upcoming uh, interviews lined up that we're really excited for. Ella Hillal, who's the head of data science, engineering, and revenue and growth at Shopify. Greg Brown, who's the vice president of strategy and R&D at the Advanced Technology Group at UPS. They're doing some incredible things. I'm really looking forward to that podcast so he can share it with all of our listeners. And then Anil Kumar, who's the executive director, head of AI industrialization at Verizon. I know a lot of our listeners have also gone through our CPMAI, our Cognitive Project Management for AI uh, 
education as well as cert- it comes, it's a methodology and certification. If you're interested in learning more, I'll link to it in the show notes, or you can go to courses.cognolytica.com. We also have gotten a lot of inquiries about uh, corporate education and really teaching uh, people at a corporate level. So, you know, not just individuals, but your team and, uh, you know, large corporations as well around AI fundamentals. In particular, we've wanted to hear about use cases, how this technology is being applied, use cases, case studies. So we do have education on that as well. If you're interested in learning more, please do reach out to us. You can email us at info at cognolytica.com and we can you know, share that package with you and uh, craft those tailorings and needs to your organization. So again, that's info at cog. N-I-L-Y-T-I-C-A dot com. And as always, please make sure to subscribe to this podcast. You can get notified of all of our future episodes. Like I said, we have a bunch coming up um, that I'm really looking forward to. Also make sure to rate us on iTunes, Google, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. We always love when you leave a comment as well. We do read all of those and gives us lots of feedback about what episodes you've liked and what you'd like us to do more of. So I know we talked about a lot of articles today too. We'll make sure to link all of those in the show notes in case you want to check out any of them. So thanks for listening and we'll catch you at the next podcast. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter and more, please visit our website at cognolytica.com. Join the discussion in between podcasts on the AI Today Facebook group and make sure to join the Cognolytica Facebook page for updates on this and future podcasts. Also subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Play, and elsewhere to get notified of future episodes. Want to support this podcast and get your message out to our listeners? Then become a sponsor. We offer significant benefits for AI Today sponsors, including promotion in the podcast and landing page, and opportunities to be a guest on the AI Today show. For more information on sponsorship, visit the Cognolytica website and click on the podcast link. This sound recording and its contents is copyright by Cognolytica. All rights reserved. Music by Matsu Gravas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast.